If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we will be in John's Gospel, John 15. I can get to my own spot. John 15. Be reading from verses 9 through 15 this morning. Found your spot? Would you please stand for the reading of Christ's word this morning? John 15, verse 9 to 15. May you hear the word of Christ this morning. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Let us pray. Father, we give thanks for this very morning, the gift of today. Uh, so often we forget that this very day is a gift, not just a Sunday, but any day of the week is a gift in which we are given a new day in order uh, to show your splendor, to show your grace and mercy and kindness, because we have first been witnesses of it. We have received that grace and kindness and mercy, and so this morning we gather around your word acknowledging and knowing that you speak, that you continue to speak through your word, that you continue to speak to your people through your spirit. And so, Lord, we ask for those things, that we would have hearing ears and fertile hearts and open and receptive bodies to receive the word that you have given us. And so, Lord, open us because we lean into you in this time so that you may speak and we may hear. We offer these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if I could take you down nostalgia lane real quick, if I can, I want you to go back to your earliest memories of your best friend, that first best friend that you had. Got him or her in mind? Remember her or his face? When you first met them, do you remember what they looked like? I see the smiles, and I see the eyes, and how they do remember those times. Because it is sweet moments, that first best friend that you had growing up. Friendships are bonds, no doubt. They're these shared um, lives that you had early on in life. Maybe that relationship continued to hold strong, that bond holds strong for the years ahead. But regardless, we remember our first best friend. We really do. We don't forget them. So today, once it comes to the last vow that we're looking at uh, in the month of February, it's the vow of friendship. And so Jesus actually has quite a bit to say about friendship. Uh, he, he loves to speak about it in the Gospel of John, and this is one of the prime places in which Jesus does speak about friendship friendship with uh, him to his, his disciples, his followers, 
but also friendship with those who don't know who he is. And so that's what we're going to be targeting today and this morning in this time in which we hear from Christ. So now that you have that best friend in mind, do you remember how you became best friends? That might be a little bit more faint. It's really hard to remember what it was that really set that bond, that friendship, in the trajectory that it ended up going. It's really difficult to, it's, it's easy to remember that, that friend that you had, but you don't really remember how you became friends with that person. Let me branch beyond that and look at other friendships, maybe boyfriend, girlfriend, that first girlfriend, that first boyfriend, that bond that you had with that other or husband and wife, possibly even current friends that you have today, the strength of that friendship that is there, that no matter what, they are there for you, beside you, and with you. Or even when we're talking about uh, sending invitations to one of our kids' birthday parties, we think about invitations. Well, who do you want to invite? Well, my friends are, and then they speak those names. So we're even talking about invitations to birthday parties or maybe uh, wedding ceremonies or whatever it might be, that the event you're celebrating. Friendships are a part of what it means to be human. We have tons of friends, some closer than others, but regardless, we know that friendship is something to be valued, but it also, friendship is something to be enjoyed in and of itself. So we'll get to some of these. We'll really bring this out and what Jesus has to say about friendship. And so friendship, how I'm trying to define friendship and how I think the scriptures define friendship is this. Intentional acts of charity that promote companionship. Intentional acts of charity that promote companionship. So we know plenty of times that when I watch my children play, we realize that it's not that they had to be with this person first in order to be in this relationship with them. They did something to invite them into this friendship. Did you hear that? You do in order to be with that person. When you watch kids play, the question is, uh, do you want to play with me? That's the invite. Do you want to play with me? You do in order to be with. And I would say that that's really one of the foundations of friendship. You do in order to be with. Men, I heard, I'm not going to go too far into this, but George has one of the greatest engagement stories that I've heard. He did in order for Shannon to be with him. We did things, men, in order for our wives to be with us. So yes, friendship is an intentional act of charity that promotes companionship. We're, I'm going to say that about a thousand times because I think that's what Jesus is after. To be friends is to have a companion. If I've already taught this before in this church, I apologize to be, for being redundant, but the companion, the word companion is, is pretty profound. Uh, it comes from a Latin word, two Latin words, in fact, com and panion. That first word, C-O-M, the prefix there means to, it means with. Panion comes from this Latin word, pan, 
which means bread. Your companion is the person you break bread with. This is the people, these are the people you eat with. These are the people that you're with. Your companions are the people closest to you because when you eat, you're with them. So to be a companion is to eat with, to break bread with, to be friends with, is to break bread with people. It is not by coincidence, church, that those of us who follow Jesus, he asks us to break bread with him through the Lord's Supper. Because it is us in that most intimate moment that we are breaking bread with Jesus as his friends, as his followers. And so let's start looking at the passage that we have this morning. One of the first things uh, that Jesus says is that friends abide with us. If you look at verses 9 and 10, let me reread those. And also I'm going to jump to 14 and 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And now jump to verse 14. It's very similar to what He had just said. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the Master is doing, but I have called you friends. Friends abide together. Let me be very clear about one of the things that Jesus is teaching here. Because it can be mistaken if we don't understand what Jesus' intentions are in these verses. Because it can be read, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will be my friends. It might be at first glance that Jesus is saying, when you do what I tell you, then I'll be your friend. At first glance, that's what it looks like. If you keep my commandments, he says in verse 14, you will be my friend. Friends. So at first glance, that might be the case. But we know that no friendship is based like that. You do what I tell you, then I'll be your friend. We know that no true relationship can actually grow and flourish in those ways. That if you do enough, then I'll continue to be your friend. That's an unhealthy relationship. That's not a friendship at all. So we need to keep in mind two things. First thing, that if in the original Greek and how it was used, it's not a conditional if. That's how we typically read it, the conditional if. The conditional if says this, if and only if you do what Jesus commands, then you'll be a friend of Jesus. That's how we tend to read it. But that's not what he means by that. This is what he means by this. It's an evidential if, not a conditional if, an evidential if. The evidence is this. If you do what Jesus instructs, then you confirm Jesus' friendship with you, Jesus' love for you. You see the difference. The first says, if you do enough, you will receive Jesus' love. That's anti-gospel. That is the opposite of what Jesus' life is about. The second says this, if you do what Jesus instructs, you're only confirming the friendship he already has with you. The first is receive, the second is confirm. So when we act out, we live out Jesus' commandments, we're confirming the friendship we already have. This is what he's after in verses 9, 10, and also 14 through 15. Because we know that we're not meant to use friends. 
We know this. That's a break in the relationship itself. If you use your friends as if there's some sort of means to an end. Hey, go do this. I need something. Go. That's when we use our friends. Or when we ask our friends and use them, we actually devalue the friendship itself. We devalue them and dishonor them as human beings when we use them. We do not treat these friends as ends in and of themselves. We don't enjoy them for them. That's what happens when we use our friendships. We fail to cherish them and we use them as how they can benefit us. Because that's not what a true friendship looks like. Friends, as it relates to this passage, Jesus reminds us they are for us. This God is a friend of us. He is for us. He is with us. No matter the circumstances, how difficult they might be, He is with us. He is for us. No matter those circumstances. One scholar writing on this very verse, these verses says this, And the test of that love and loyalty to Jesus remains the simple, profound, dangerous, and difficult command, love one another. Did you catch all those adjectives? When we love one another, it is very simple, right? The instruction is simple. Love one another. It's profound. When we love one another, we see so much of Christ coming in and through our lives. It's profound. What He does when He works through us. When we love one another. But here's the thing. The call to love one another is dangerous. Isn't it? But secondly, it's difficult. Have you ever been in a circumstance when you realize, I, I know, I know I'm supposed to love you right now. I'm supposed to sacrifice myself for you in this moment. I'm supposed to lay aside myself and consider you first. But it is very difficult. If you don't, I can send home a two-year-old girl today with you and see that that is a very difficult task. Because it's true, isn't it? Because human beings, we're complex creatures. And we're sometimes difficult to love. And yet Jesus invites us with this simple and profound instruction. Love one another. Here's a connection I think Jesus is making in verses 9 and 10 and then 12 and 13 as well. Abide When you abide in Jesus' love, we are living obediently. We're confirming our friendship with Him. But also it develops into a love with one, for one another. Did you see that? We abide in Jesus' love. It leads to obedience, living obediently, which we, when we live obedient, we are confirming our friendship. And also it develops in our love for other people. So when we look at 12 and 13, you notice what he says here um, uh, in verse 12 He's very clear. This is my commandment as it relates to friendship that you have with others. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is setting the model and the example, or really the exemplar of love. And it's himself. How do you love somebody else? As I have loved you. Well, the question we have to ask, church, is how has Jesus loved us? At that point, you read 
verse 13, and he tells us, he gives us sort of this glance at this answer. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life. He's not only teaching them this is what love looks like, He's giving them the expectation as this is what love will look like. Remember, we're in the 15th chapter of John. The crucifixion hasn't happened yet. He will lay down his life for his very friends in order to restore them and rescue them. And so when you have this example of how has he loved us, well, he tells us greater love than this. Lay down your life. Which reminded me this week of Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. I'm going to stress and emphasize 5 through 9 this morning. Paul says this to the Philippians, Have this mind among yourselves, or consider these things, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. The model, the exemplar here that Paul is reminding us comes in a few different illustrations. One, Jesus emptied himself. Of all grandeur that he had in heaven, he emptied it. How did he do that? Well, he became a servant. He became a human being. God takes on human flesh. What greater example of humility than that? That he's willing to even take on the form of a human being. So not only do you have him emptying himself, not only do you have him becoming a servant, you have him humbling himself. Fourthly, he demonstrates and shows obedience to the Father Himself. And then lastly, obedience that embraces the cross. So here in Philippians 2, 5-9, through 9, but you can read the larger part to verse 11, the ways of Jesus is exactly that. And I think what Paul is doing is he is inviting the church to do the very same thing. He is inviting us to train and discipline our lives and our bodies to empty ourselves, to become servants, to humble ourselves, and aligning our steps in obedience, which means we are to embrace the cross of Christ. Did you catch that? Profound, simple, oh, dangerous yet difficult to do. And he even says, no, 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 don't just embrace that cross once. Every day that you wake up, embrace that cross. Die to yourself, put yourself second, and use your body in a way that it shows who I am. Sacrifice yourself so that others might know who you belong to, who you're loyal and who you find your allegiance with, and that is myself. And so Jesus is telling us how we are to use our bodies how we are to train and discipline our bodies in such a way that we are promoting more of who He looks like. We take upon the death of Christ in our own bodies to show that example. So let's move back towards our friends. These are the people we are close to, right? Think of those friends you have. 
the ones you're close to, the ones that you have a great bond with, you share a relationship with, you have some sort of union with them, you have these links and alliances with, you, your best friend might be the one uh, who you and his son might play on a baseball team together. Might be the one who uh, you have had since five years old that you can count on and trust no matter what's going on in your life. That one person that showed up in that circumstance that you never expected and they've been there for you ever since. Those are the people that we have these bonds and close relationships with. These are our very companions and the friends are the ones, again, that we typically break bread with. We eat with. These are the ones that we did something in order to be with. Let me connect it back to where we started. We did something to be with them. Because that friendship is those intentional acts of charity that promote companionship. Intentional acts of charity that promote companionship. So, I would say, as it relates to vows and promises, continue thinking of creative ways of intentionally creating acts of charity to be with those people. A kind of charity that looks a whole lot like Jesus and less like ourselves. A, a charity that looks a whole lot like the cross and less like serving ourselves. One that's through humility and obedience, not because we're trying to buy or give and or get and receive Jesus' love, but because we are already friends with him, that we extend that love. We extend that friendship. But here's the hard part this morning, church. We don't just keep the friends we have. We're also meant to extend these intentional acts of charity to those and encourage new companions. New companions. New friends that we're meant to make. Because if you look at the end of Matthew's gospel... The 28th chapter, 16 through 20 verses, Jesus gives a commission for the church. It says, go therefore, as you go, make disciples of all nations, teaching and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now that sounds kind of odd to us today, but here's how I understand what Jesus is saying. Go and make new friends of all people. All people make new companions, new friends. We might look at verse, uh, sorry, chapter 28 of Matthew's Gospel, 16 through 20, as this commission to make disciples. We would call that today evangelism. Simply put, what I call it is making new friends in the name of Christ. And so, making friends with others that they might be persuaded through our intentional acts of charity to become friends with Jesus. That's evangelism, church. That's when we are intentionally showing acts of charity, Jesus' charity, not just because we love them. That's one reason, but we want to be their friends. And we are inviting them into a friendship with Jesus himself. Now, I might get pushback. You say, Michael, sounds like you're just using those friends in order for them to know Jesus. The very thing that you said that we shouldn't be doing, using friends. That you just make friends so that know Jesus. That's not what's going on here, church. Once it comes to understanding friendship, 
We are abiding in the love and friendship of Christ. We live in response to his love and his friendship. And the fruit he produces is his work, not ours. Regardless, we're called to make friends all the time. Now, again, there's going to be a depth and a relationship to some that aren't like the others. But regardless, we are to extend that friendship to no matter who we are in contact with. Because the friendship of Jesus has first been extended to us. So whether we're, we want to call it making disciples of all people, I say making friends with all people through intentional acts of charity, Christ's charity. And so what I really want to end with this morning is a reading from Romans. Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Because I've had uh, many people in the past say, I just honestly don't know how to extend friendship with others. I don't know how to take care of others. I don't know how to be able to uh, demonstrate the love of Christ. Well, in Romans 12, 9 through 21... Paul gives you many practical ways in order to extend the love and friendship of Christ. Hear what he has to say. Let love be genuine. And that's what friendship is. It's not using anybody. You let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Hospitality is just inviting people to become your friends in your own homes. Your neighbors. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep those with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but I give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him plenty to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul is offering very practical ways in order to demonstrate the love and friendship of Jesus. There's tons there. Not only are you meant to uh, affirm your friendship with Jesus by showing brotherly affection to those who are of the church, but he then goes on to talk about, well, what about those who don't know Jesus? Who aren't friends with Jesus? Well, show hospitality to them. Care for them. What about those who are essentially my enemies? Feed them. In other words, break bread with them. Make them your companions. Give them drink. In order to demonstrate the very love and friendship that you have with Christ... Not because you're trying to buy Jesus' love, but you're trying to confirm and affirm the love and friendship you already have with this Jesus. Now extend it. Be this people, no matter where you're called, of all nations, all people that you come across, 
extend that friendship with others, whether they're close brothers and sisters or neighbors down the road that you don't know well or even your enemies. I would say, church, meditate, reread, look on Romans 12 this week. Print it off, hang it on your fridge or put it somewhere in your house and look for ways this week in which you can make the love and friendship of Christ so tangible, so real in your neighborhoods, friends, jobs, wherever it might be, so that we are affirming that we definitely and most uh, are trying our best to honor the friendship that we have with this Christ. I leave one quote with you. This is a book we're reading uh, in our Sunday school class. And it's from Henry Nouwen. He was a 20th century monk-like in many ways. But hear what he has to say about friendship. Listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends. If I could add one thing to Paul, how dare I would ever do that. But listen this week to a stranger. Just listen. Don't come back and try to say anything. Just listen to them because that is one of the ways that we demonstrate a spiritual hospitality. So let us be friends of Jesus this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can honor you this morning with the reading of your word, for the listening of your word. But as the simple reminder is that we're not just uh, a people who do things Hopefully we do things to honor you, to love you, and to demonstrate our love that has first been displayed to us. A love that has come down so that we have seen and witnessed this love so that we can then go out and demonstrate, exhibit, and manifest this love. And so give us opportunities. What a hard prayer. Give us opportunities to demonstrate the friendship that we have with you this week. To show hospitality, as Paul reminds us. To listen, as Henry Nouwen reminds us. To be able to just dwell with people, invite them into our lives so that we can be with them. To be companions that we share bread with, that we can share life with. Put those opportunities before us this week. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.